the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Jeremiah knows a little bit about what this is like because he's often being attacked, uh, being uh, mocked. Uh, being thrown in a cistern, being beat up. I mean, he's got more stuff to happen to him before the end of this book. Uh, But he certainly was familiar with the fact that when he said things that were tough to hear, that people got upset. And he was faithful nevertheless. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Jeremiah. A good leader has to say hard things sometimes. As Pastor Gary continues to lead us through the book of Jeremiah, we'll see this trait on display in this faithful prophet. He didn't enjoy being the bearer of bad news, but he knew that he had to be faithful to God's call on his life even if it cost him dearly. He wasn't just unpopular or ridiculed. He faced physical threat on a regular basis, even the threat of death. But he knew that the most loving and God-honoring thing he could do was tell the truth. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 26, as he begins his message, Stand for What is Right. Verse 1 says, Early in the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, This word came from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Stand in the courtyard of the Lord's house and speak to all the people of the towns of Judah who come to worship in the house of the Lord. Tell them everything I command you. Do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen and each will turn from his evil way. And then I will relent and not bring on them the disaster I was planning because of the evil they have done. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. If you do not listen to me and follow my law, which I have set before you, and if you do not listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have sent to you again and again, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh and this city an object of cursing among all the nations of the earth. The priests, the prophets, and all the people heard Jeremiah speak these words in the house of the Lord. But as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord had commanded him to say, the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized him and said, You must die. Why do you prophesy in the Lord's name 
that this house will be like Shiloh, and this city will be desolate and deserted. And all the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. And when the officials of Judah heard about these things, they went up from the royal palace to the house of the Lord and took their places at the entrance of the new gate of the Lord's house. And then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and all the people, This man should be sentenced to death because he has prophesied against this city. You have heard it with your own ears. Well, for those of you curious about these kind of things, uh, chapter 26, this chapter that we're, uh, we've read a little bit of, we're going to actually read through the whole thing today. Chapter 26 is not in chronological order. You might remember from last week's study when we were in chapter 24, it talked about how it was just after the reign of King Jehoiakim, who was the second to last king of Judah, just after King Jehoiakim had been taken captive by the Babylonians and taken off to Babylon. Chapter 26 is actually a chapter about his father, so we're going backwards in time. It takes place during the reign of his father, King Jehoiakim, very similar pronunciations. So chapter 26 is out of chronological order, uh, and then it resumes in chronology after this. So it's interesting how, uh, even though it's out of chronological order, the Lord certainly indeed wanted it inserted here in the narrative, because there's an important critical event that happens here in this chapter that we will see in a moment. This chapter begins with a strong exhortation from the Lord to Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah is not yet speaking what the Lord's put on his heart because the Lord is dealing with him first. And I want you to just circle back to verse 2 and note with me that the Lord says to him, stand in the courtyard of the Lord's house, this is the temple area there in Jerusalem, and speak to all the people of the towns of Judah who come to worship in the house of the Lord. And then notice at the end of verse 2, tell them everything I command you, do not omit a word. This is God's instruction to Jeremiah. I've got something I want you to say to the people when they're coming to church, when they're coming to the house of the Lord to worship. God says to Jeremiah, I want you to tell them exactly what I put in your heart, and I don't want you to omit a single word. Now, why do you suppose that God instructs him and exhorts him in this way. Say everything I'm telling you and don't omit a word. Well, it could be quite honestly because God knows that Jeremiah might be tempted to do what even today some pastors are tempted to do. The temptation of avoiding saying the tough stuff because you don't want to offend people. Tamp it down, you know, keep the peace, uh, don't, don't say anything remotely controversial or confrontational because you don't want to inspire the ire of people. Okay? Now, Jeremiah inspired the ire of the people because even though perhaps he might have been tempted because in, in our flesh, if, if you have a certain responsibility, you know this for whatever you might do, you have to say the hard things to some, maybe you're in management, you have to say the hard thing, you have to let somebody go, or you have to, either you're in some position or something in life where it's incumbent upon you to say the hard thing. It's difficult. 
And in our flesh, we often don't want confrontation. We don't want, you know, to get into a situation where we're going to get somebody upset. And, and, and so Jeremiah knows a little bit about what this is like because he's often being attacked, uh, being uh, mocked, uh, being thrown in a cistern, being beat up. I mean, he's got more stuff to happen to him before the end of this book. Uh, but he certainly was familiar with the fact that when he said things that were tough to hear, that people got upset. And he was faithful, nevertheless, to say what God had put in his heart, no matter how unpopular it was. He didn't shy away from saying the hard truth. In fact, he couldn't. He will write, uh, in a couple of chapters earlier, in chapter 20, he writes about how when, when I would sometimes hold God's word in my heart without saying it, it burned in my heart like a fire. In Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he said, But if I say, I will not mention God or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. So Jeremiah admits, he goes, you know, there are times I've, I've tried to hold back because I, I don't, I mean, who wants to be unpopular? Who wants to be threatened with their very lives? So Jeremiah's like, sometimes I'd hold it in, but when I would hold it in, it would be like fire burning in my heart and through my bones. I couldn't, I couldn't hold it in. I'd have to say what God had put on my heart. And so Jeremiah warned the people, his own people, time and again, he kept saying to them, you forsake God and he's going to forsake you, but you draw near to God. He's going to draw near to you. But time and time again, he would say this, and time and time again, the people would reject what he was saying. And they got so tired of hearing what he was saying, time and time again, that both the religious leaders, the priests, and other so-called prophets appeal to the officials of Jerusalem in this chapter here to have Jeremiah killed. Now, bear in mind, these are not the enemies of Israel. They, we're not talking about, you know, the, the Canaanites or the Hittites or the Amorites. You know, we're not talking about these people who are like, we want to kill Jeremiah. These are Jeremiah's own countrymen. We don't like what you're saying. We don't like to hear you go on and on about how we need to turn to God or, or we're going to be destroyed. And so they, they haul him before the officials of Jerusalem and ask the leaders to put him to death which might be another reason, by the way, why God said there in verse 2, tell them everything I command you and do not omit a word, because God knew that the threat of death hung over Jeremiah's head. But Jeremiah was true to the Lord, and he was always faithful to say what God put in his heart because he feared God more than he feared man. The truth is that Jeremiah was not calling for the destruction of Jerusalem, he just was saying that that would be the unintended consequences for those who reject God. If the people reject God, then, then the unintended consequences will be the destruction of their own homeland. The real message that Jeremiah was communicating through this whole book, two words for you note-takers, write down, repent, relent. That's the main thing that Jeremiah was saying throughout the whole book of Jeremiah, that if people would repent, that is, turn to God turn from sin and turn to God, then God will relent. That is, he will not bring upon them the disaster that he otherwise would intend for them. 
So repent and relent. That's constantly what he's saying here. This is what we see reflected in verse 3. Look again in your Bibles at verse 3. When God speaks to Jeremiah about, go ahead, tell him everything I've told you. Don't admit a word. In verse 3, he says, perhaps they will listen and each will turn from his evil way. That's repent. And then I, God speaking, I will relent and not bring on them the disaster I was planning because of the evil they have done. You know, this, is, this has always been the message of the Bible. This has always been the summary of God's intent for us. That in our sinfulness, we're separated from God. In our rebellion, there is a gap between us and God that cannot be remedied except by what Christ has done for us on the cross. And that if we will turn from our sinful ways and turn to God and trust Christ as our Savior, that's repent, God relents, and we do not experience the ultimate judgment that, the, that we otherwise deserve, because God is a merciful God. This is all that Jeremiah was trying to say in the course of his nearly 50 years of ministry. Jeremiah starts out roughly around the age of 17. He finishes all in his mid-60s, and, and over the course of nearly 50 years of his public ministry, This is what he was saying over and over and over again to his own people, the people of Judah. If you turn from sin and turn to God, you won't have to suffer judgment. Otherwise, Jeremiah says, the Babylonians are coming and they're going to wreck this place. That's what he says to them. But the truth is often an affront to people, especially if they like their sin. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to be confronted about their behavior. It's only after their lives are falling apart because of their sin that people often then turn to God. And God will take us either way. Any way that He can get us, God will receive us. But I sometimes wonder, why do we have to learn the hard way? Why are we so stubborn about this? Why does it often take a crisis to make us turn to God? So this is not unique to the Jews in this story. This is our story. The Jews in Jeremiah's day didn't want to be confronted about their sin. They didn't want to hear what Jeremiah had to say. So they attempted to have him killed. You don't like the message, you know the saying, kill the messenger. They didn't like the message, and so they wanted to kill the messenger. So it tells us here in this chapter, they gather around him, a mob forms around him. He's on the Temple Mount area telling the people what God put in his heart. Then this mob circles him. They seize him, is what the story tells us here in verse 8. And, and they say, you must die. They just they want the guy killed. So they, they took him to the officials who were sitting at the gate. Now, this is typical. In those days, there would be officials of a town, elders of a town, who would sit at the gates of the town, and that would be a place where they would gather to make civil judgments or, or criminal judgments. They would serve like judges in a court of law. And so the officials here, this mob has gathered and up Jeremiah and seized him. And so they make their way to the gates because they know what's going to happen. We're going to be called upon to make a, a judicial decision here about what to do with Jeremiah. And so the, the officials are gathered there at the gates. And the people then appeal to the officials, uh, look at verse 11 again. It says, And then the priests and prophets said to the officials and all the people, This man should be sentenced to death. 
because he has prophesied against the city. You have heard it with your own ears. Now, it's very interesting. What's their accusation against him? This guy has prophesied against this city. You see, when you can't refute what the guy is saying as from the Lord, then what you need to do is trump up other charges, and the charges they trump up is that he isn't patriotic, that this is treason against his own country, because he's calling for the destruction of the country. He's not calling for the destruction of the country. He's just saying, again, this is going to be one of the unintended consequences. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed if we don't turn to God. And so they make this accusation that he's not being patriotic here. If you go around warning people that their sin against God will result in the collapse of their country, and people will start to say, you're not a true patriot, that you don't have the best interest of your country in mind if you're predicting such disaster against your own people. And so this is their argument for killing him. But Jeremiah replies with great courage and great conviction here. Why don't you look at the next verses with me, verses 12 through 15. In verse 12, it says, And then Jeremiah said to all the officials and all the people, this is his defense, he's just, he just going to make a statement here. The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the things you have heard. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent and not bring the disaster he has pronounced against you. As for me, I'm in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. Be assured, however, that if you put me to death, you will bring the guilt of innocent blood on yourselves and on the city and on those who live in it. For in truth, the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. That's what he says to them. Man, I love the courage of this guy. Just, I mean, half the, half the city wants to kill him. The prophet, quote, pro, other prophets, quote, want to kill him. The priests want to kill him. He's on this trial in front of the officials at the city gate. And he just basically says, listen, I'm just going to be faithful to say what God's told me to say. You can do with me what you want. If you kill me, you're going to have innocent blood on your hands. But all I know is, and this is the end of verse 15, for in truth, the Lord has sent me to to you to speak all these words in your hearing. He didn't run. He stood his ground. And he didn't didn't care what the personal cost would be. He just wanted to stand his ground for what was right. And he wanted to be faithful to tell the truth. And you know what happened when he had the courage to stand for what was right? And to just say, listen, I'm, I'm in God's hands and I'm just here to tell the truth. And when he trusted the Lord and stood his ground and spoke the truth, God defended him. And God protected him. And God took care of him. Because the verses following tell us that the people came to their senses. And the people started realizing, hey, remember when Micah the prophet, a hundred years before Jeremiah, said similar things to us in the days of King Hezekiah? Nobody killed him. And you know what happened? Nobody killed him. And the people actually turned for a season, for a time, and God relented and he didn't bring disaster upon us. So that was kind of a good thing. We didn't kill the prophet Micah, same Micah who wrote the book of Micah. We didn't kill that guy and and it went went okay for us. If we kill Jeremiah, 
It probably won't turn out as good for us. We're going to bring disaster on ourselves. Look at what they say here, verse 16. Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, This man should not be sentenced to death. He has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Some of the elders of the land stepped forward and said to the entire assembly of people, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And he told all the people of Judah, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill a mound overgrown with thickets. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, or anyone else in Judah put him to death? Did not Hezekiah fear the Lord and seek his favor? And did not the Lord relent so that he did not bring the disaster he pronounced against them? We are about to bring a terrible disaster on ourselves. So they come to their senses. This is a good thing. They realize we can't kill Jeremiah because it worked well for us when we heeded about 100 years ago when our people heeded the warning of the prophet Micah in the days of King Hezekiah. So we better learn from that and not kill this guy. Or else, verse 19, we're going to be bringing terrible disaster on ourselves. Now, in addition, here in this little kangaroo kangaroo court that's happening here at the entrance of the gate, in addition to these people saying these good things, a guy steps up and gives Jeremiah basically a character reference. Uh, We don't know too much about this guy, but he's mentioned in the last verse of this chapter, verse 24, his name is Ahikam. And Ahikam steps up, verse 24, says, furthermore, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, supported Jeremiah And so he was not handed over to the people to be put to death. And so Jeremiah goes untouched and he escapes death all because God protected him. Because Jeremiah was willing to stand his ground and not run and be true to what was right and to honor God. Whenever we do that, God will take care of us. We have to stand our ground in these days for what is right. We can't be running from the truth. We have to be the light that shines in a dark world. Now, inserted into this story is this little parenthetical commentary, some verses I skipped in in our reading through chapter 26, you may have noticed. I want to draw your attention to verses 20 to 23. Now, in your Bibles, if you have an NIV version, that's what I'm reading from, verses 20 to 23 are in parenthesis. You notice that? It's a parenthetical commentary inserted in the middle of this life-threatening scene concerning Jeremiah. And it tells us in these verses, I'm going to read them in a moment, moment, but let me set it up for you. It tells us that there's another prophet by the name of Uriah, an obscure, unknown prophet, not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible except here. There's other Uriahs mentioned in the Bible, but not this guy. This guy's only mentioned here. This is it. He, it tells us that he's a prophet sent by God. He's a legit prophet. It tells us that he also prophesies the same thing Jeremiah is saying. You have to remember, Jeremiah's not the only voice in that day. There are other prophets. There are other prophets who are called by God, just not as popular or as well-known as some of the major prophets. This guy was one of those good prophets. His name is Uriah. Let me read a story, though. It doesn't work out as well for him. Verse 20. Now, Uriah, son of Shemaiah from Kiriath-Jerim, was another man who prophesied in the name of the Lord. He prophesied the same things against this city and this land as Jeremiah did. 
When King Jehoiakim and all his officers and officials heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But Uriah heard of it and fled in fear to Egypt. King Jehoiakim, however, sent Elnathan, son of Akbar, to Egypt, along with some other men. They brought Uriah out of Egypt and took him to King Jehoiakim, who had him struck down with a sword and his body thrown into the burial place of the common people. The book of Jeremiah that Pastor Gary has been walking through with you is one of prophecy. It's God's words to a nation that was facing the consequences of their actions. It's a picture of the future, but also a raw and honest look at the present situation. Jeremiah doesn't hide his emotions. And as you continue studying, you'll see his passion for his fellow Israelites and his deep desire that they turn back to God. We hope you'll tune in next time to continue studying this fascinating book with us here on Cornerstone Connection. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen again online at our website cornerstoneconnection.cc. We have a mobile app as well, allowing you to take all of Pastor Gary's messages with you on the go. Find a link to download on our website or search for Cornerstone Chapel in your app store. What a great way to fill your day with truth from God's Word wherever you are. Do you live in the Leesburg area? If so, we want to meet you. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible with Pastor Gary. Our services are at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. on Sundays, and child care is available. So bring your family. You'll find all the information you need about the church on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have for today in our study of the book of Jeremiah. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to join us again for Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know